Welcome back to the fifth episode of the 3rd and 20 podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about the AFC West over-unders and our top 10 coaches in the NFL right now. Third down and 20. Welcome back to episode 5 of the 3rd and 20 podcast. Frank Entwistle here with my co-host, Ryan Steed. And before we start, just want to congratulate the winner from the giveaway we did last week. And that was Parker. Congratulations, Parker. We'll get you that signed picture of LaDainian Tomlinson in the very near future. Keep out for some more giveaways that we do. Follow us on Instagram if you're not. Third underscore N20 podcast where you'll probably find out that information on top of these episodes. So we're going to go into it again with another um, over-under. This time we're going to do the AFC West. So we're going to start off with the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Their over-under is at 11.5. Steve, why Mm. don't you go kick it off with your thoughts on the Chiefs this year? Yeah, I don't know if this is just... The COVID I inherited talking, but like, you know, I took the under on the Ravens going under 11 and a half. So I have to choose one team that is bound with this total win margin have to go over and I'm choosing the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are prime going easily make another run at this thing. I see them easily going 12 and 12 and four, 13 and three and I mean, who's going to stop Patrick Mahomes? They got their weapons back. Uh, the defense looks really good. They still don't have to pay, pay Patrick Mahomes, so they keep their roster full around them. And playing this division and playing as, like, the superior team, I just – and another year under Andy Reid's offense for Patrick Mahomes where you know he's just going to have this offense gripped to a T. I think this is an even easy over right here, don't you think? I think an easy over. So, yeah, you Mm -hmm. brought up a good point. Not even just the weapons that they're keeping. Um, They're pretty much keeping the entire Super Bowl team. They only lost a handful of guys. I know they lost um, that backup guard that went to the Steelers that played in the playoff run. Um, I can't really think think off the top of my head who else they lost but i saw i was reading an article earlier they kept i'm pretty sure 20 of the 22 starters that played in the super bowl and they were able to to find a way to keep guys like sammy watkins who you saw in the playoff run was a really big contributor um had a shaky Mm -hmm. regular season but come playoff time he was playing really well had a great game against richard sherman in the super bowl um so, yeah, anytime, though, you see a number like 11 and a half, it's always tough to take an over. Um, I went, see, you said you went under on the Ravens. I had went over on the Ravens. The Chiefs, uh, you know, I, I just, think. I think just look at the division. I, I got to look at the schedule first and foremost. I know they play the first game of the year against the Texans on Thursday night, which that should be easy for them. I, I just think I, the Texans gotten they I, they digressed, and like we said, the Chiefs have become like they they maintain most of their players on that starting roster in the Super Bowl. 
So that should be easy week one win for them. I they got all the tools, man. This is a yeah. Team. They they do have all the tools, and it, it's not like the pressure wasn't on them last year. Everyone had them as a potential Super Bowl favorite last year, and they lived up to the hype. Andy Reid finally got his Super Bowl, but there, that always begs the question of the Super Bowl hangover. And I think the other problem with the Chiefs isn't necessarily the Chiefs is that this division is looking a lot more competitive possibly than it has in the past few years. You know, this is a division mm-hmm. that I think notoriously always had a weak team. Um, teams, you know, it, the Broncos were really good when they had Peyton and then they kind of went towards the bottom of the barrel. The Raiders scrapped together a few good seasons here and there, notably when Derek Carr first came in. But, you know, they've been a little shaky. The Chargers have always been a team that seems like they haven't lived up to their potential recently and just got rid of Phillip Rivers. But it's going to be tough because now the Chiefs are the clear favorite, but what if these these divisional games aren't just cakewalks for the Chiefs? I mean, the Broncos saw they loaded up on weapons this offseason mm-hmm. to potentially try and keep up with the Chiefs. Uh, the Raiders, I think everyone will agree, have been just adding talent. And and that staff has done a pretty good job in the draft. Even though they got some hate, they were able to land some pretty talented players. And offensively as well, guys like Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, they, got, they picked up Josh Jacobs last year. So um, the Raiders, while I don't think they're, they're anywhere near as talented as a team like the Chiefs, we're only talking about stealing a game here. And the Chargers, too. I mean, the Chargers have always had a talented roster. They just haven't necessarily been able to put all the pieces together. Derwin James got injured. Was It, it was before the season last year, right? Yeah, so, that sucked. Yeah, yeah they lost their best playmaker. Yeah, your big playmaker. You lose him. And looking at the schedule, this is not an easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. Um. So, you know, first four weeks of the season, you're playing the Chiefs, Chargers, then the Ravens, and then the Patriots. I mean, yeah, the the Texans and the Patriots might not be as good on paper as they were last year, but these are still two teams that have a good coaching staff, maybe not in terms of player personnel, but in terms of, you know, schematic coaching. These are two good teams and two playoff teams and i mean you're playing three playoff teams in the first four weeks then you're going you got the raiders the bills the chiefs or the um, the chiefs the broncos it's and then you you're also playing teams the saints the falcons the bucks so you're you're playing the nfc south that's another tough division you got to play there's there just doesn't seem to be a ton of these easy games on the chiefs roster which there there isn't and whenever i look at the um over under for the ravens and for the chiefs and the reason why i went over and i went under for the ravens is that lamar jackson can be stopped there's a way he has this way of playing that you know you can stop him with the right defensive strategy there hasn't been a true game plan around to stop patrick mahomes and I truly think, like, until that's figured out, the dude can just run the league the way he wants to run it, where he's running back there, throwing off his back th- foot, throwing it 50 yards downfield, and hit Tyreek Hill for a touchdown. 
So, like, when I measure these two teams out, I just look at, like, I still think Lamar Jackson will regress this year and Patrick Mahomes will continue to be Patrick Mahomes, and then that accounts for wins for me. Yeah, and, I mean, you even saw the Chiefs played a great game with Matt Moore at the helm against the Packers in a primetime game. So, I mean, God forbid Patrick Mahomes misses time again. It's not like the Chiefs immediately become a a bad team. Whereas, let's go to the Packers, for example. I think everyone can mostly agree if the Packers lose Rodgers, you know, they instantly are not a playoff caliber team. And this this is a lot of teams that, that if they lose this the, their quarterback, they could just absolutely be screwed. But the Chiefs, you know, have that luxury with a great staff and a great team to where if, if God forbid Patrick Mahomes goes down, not that they would be a Super Bowl favorite still, but they could they could win against almost any team in the league at that point. So I think mm-hmm. I'm gonna join you here. I think we're gonna go to the gonna go the over, you know, but I think it's a it's not I'm I don't think I'm as confident as you are. They have a lot of tough games. Um, but at the end of the day, they're probably going to be the favorite in every one of their games, barring injuries. And now this isn't necessarily any analysis, but the Super Bowl hangover, it struck good teams before. You never know how it's going to treat the Chiefs. But I think you're right. I think that that offense is just too good. You keep Sammy Watkins. You keep Tyreek Hill. You're keeping Kelsey. These are just its so many issues. You add a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which you could get a really good two-headed monster in the backfield between playoff Damien and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the backfield. So, um, yeah, their offense is too loaded. And they have a decent defense, too, especially you look at the second half of last season. The defense was playing really well. Um, not that they played insanely well in the playoffs. I think they had a good Super Bowl for the most part. Um, but they, they have some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, too. So right. that D line's ferocious. I mean, they've led the league in sacks like the past couple of years. I mean, they're going to get to the quarterback, and so, they have Tyron Matthew. So, yeah, I'm going to join you in the over. I think the big question mark, though, is if that defense can can play really well. I mean, yeah, I, I think we all know what's going to happen with with the offense, but. I just I want to I want to see their defense play at an, not necessarily in an elite level, but if they had I mean you're asking them to win over 12 games no matter how good of an offense you have you have to have a complete roster to win 12 games in the NFL, you know this is not an e and especially with with a lot of their difficult games that they have, it's not going to be an easy road to 12 wins, but you know they have guys Chris Jones. Um, you mentioned um, Tyron Matthew. Um, they got who's that pass rusher they picked up? Was it, what, um, yeah, they picked up Frank Clark from the from the Seahawks, who played really well last year for him. He was a dominant pass rusher, and you saw that. I'm pretty sure he got injured last year for a little bit, and when he came back, it took that defense to an mm-hmm. to that top half of the league level. So. With them keeping all those players, I think you just have to take the over for them. So let's move to the Chargers here. The Chargers are at a flat eight, which actually surprised me a little bit. I thought that was a little bit high 
that the Chargers were getting a flat eight. I'll start off first with the Chargers. Um, Chargers notoriously have just been a team that you look at them on paper and you're like, damn, this is a good roster. You know, they, they seem to have all the pieces, and it seems like every draft, you know, especially the past two or three, it they got what were regarded as talented players at positions they really needed. You know, I think the example everyone thinks of is Derwin James when he fell to pick 17, when they're a team that had a clear and desperate need at safety, and a guy that I thought had top 10 talent just falls into their lap. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're at eight. Obviously, they lose Phillip Rivers, which is a really interesting loss. It, it definitely is a big loss. They lose their franchise quarterback since what 2005 or six he's been there for yeah. who um, knows but it's been a while it's been forever. yeah it's been a long time and but you replace him so you drafted justin herbert who no one's really expecting to play because you have tyrod taylor on the roster a guy that has taken teams to the playoffs before probably plays a little more consistent than philip rivers at times i've always had the problem with philip rivers that you know, especially in crunch time scenarios, he just kind of makes mistakes and plays a little too loose. Now, you don't get the ceiling that Rivers brings. Rivers can have stretches where he's looking like the MVP of the league, and you're not going to get that out of Tyrod Taylor. And then you lose a guy like Melvin Gordon, which is also going to hurt that that offense a little bit. So I'm going to go with the under of eight. Um, even though the Chargers, once again this year, look really good on paper, that defense should be really nasty. But I'm just going to say the Chargers are going to charger it out and not not be in the playoffs again this year. So I'm going to go with the under eight. Yeah, I got the under two here. And it, it's strictly like not the talent on the roster because this is one of the more talented rosters in the league. I think we can both agree on that. I just find it more like the quarterback situation. Tyra Taylor won't lose you games, but I don't know if he can necessarily win you games. And even though Phil Rivers, we saw last year, he had a down slope and through it, they would try and do a comeback. Phil Rivers would pick his way out of it, throw a pick, and then they would lose the game. I don't know if, like, my team is down four points. I need a touchdown in two minutes. I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is going to be able to drive that, in which I see them in a lot of situations late game <coughs> like they were last year like that. Especially, like, they also spent a first – you spend a you spent your number six overall pick on Justin Herbert. If he doesn't I, – I have, like, I would think that he plays at some point this year. So, I like Herbert. I'm a Herbert fan. But I'm also not going to not notice the fact that he is he is very raw. So I don't know how he is going to interpret in the way uh, when he comes into play. So I'm going to take the under here. And that is strictly because I don't know if they have the right jurisdiction with quarterback play. I, I, I don't trust their quarterback play. They don't have a running game they can really suffice around Melvin Gordon more. They got that. No, they signed Austin Eckler, but I mean, most of his money was won from what he can do in the receiving game. I know they drafted that guy from UCLA. I don't know Josh too much about him. Yeah, I don't know too much about him and how he's going to do. I know they picked up 
I know they traded for O-line in this offseason, but I think the safe play here is over, is under eight. You know, if they if they have, like, a quarterback on the roster that's been proven, like a Phillip Rivers or something, I think this number would have been bumped up a little bit, maybe a half win or a one win total. But I would take the under in this game. You know, actually, going to this to the offensive line, um, I mean, the, the guy they traded for, I'm pretty sure, was Trey Turner off the top of my head. I believe it was. Um, and uh, they have Brian Balaga. I'm pretty sure they picked him up now, too. So I think that's been one of the issues with the, the Chargers offense has just been, um, for the most part, tackle play. You know, they, I think they mm-hmm. struggled just blocking some of the dominant pass rushers, keeping Phillip Rivers protected. And they definitely put a little more of an emphasis on upgrading that offensive line. We'll see it how it pans out. They still have Keenan Allen, who I thought had pretty like the most underrated season for a number one receiver. A guy put up 1,200 yards, and people are acting like he's completely washed. Yeah, I mean, I had him on the fantasy team. The dude was great. I mean, I don't think anything needs to be said about their defense. They just added more talent. They they pick up Chris Harris Jr. in the offseason. Um, if he's able to play at a level that we've seen for some seasons at the Broncos, I, I mean, this team could be nasty. They, I'm pretty sure they picked up Linval Joseph as well on the D-line. Like, that defense is looking absolutely scary. It, it's looking dirty. It does. But there's I mean, been plenty of times where Kenneth Murray as well. They trade up for him. If you're able to get a mm-hmm. a true number one linebacker, this could be one, the top defense in the AFC. Maybe even the top defense in the entire league if if all these pieces pan out for him. If they pan out, then like your goal was just to score 20 points a game because then that pretty much wins you the game if you're in the Chargers uh, standpoint. It's just it comes down to quarterback play, especially when you look at these wins. And I know Tyrod's done before, but, like, how long is Tyrod going to be that guy when they want Justin Herbert to play? And it's just like, you know, you got a whole fix there. Can Justin Herbert really adapt to the NFL? Can he understand the offense? It's just – it's a lot of it's, – it's too many question marks for me at that position for me to safely take the over there. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, it is only eight wins. This team has, I think they have more than eight-win talent. Um, oh, yeah. Also, I think, I think part so. of it is I'm not really a big Anthony Lynn fan. You know, I don't think he's necessarily, I mean, I guess he is, because we're, we're going to do the top ten coaches later in the, in the podcast, and I ranked out about my top 15 or 16, and he's not there. So I guess he is a bottom half of the league coach for me, which I think is holding him back. I mean, this this draft, I wasn't a huge fan of a lot of their picks. Um, I I do think Kenneth Murray's a pretty talented player, but you may be asking him to do a lot to be a, a year one impact as a linebacker at the next level. Granted, he's got this insanely talented team. This just seems like a team to me that, aside from their D-backs, which their D-backs are probably the best in the league. I mean, Desmond King, Casey Hayward, Chris Harris Jr., Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, who I liked a lot coming out. 
this that's a nasty defensive back, mm. like defensive backfield. Yeah. That's unreal. But when you look at their offense, I just think they're they're like one or two injuries away from being the classic old mediocre Chargers, and that seems to always plague them. Now, I think the other interesting thing with the Chargers, though, was that they've always been a team in recent times to just lose close games. They lose yeah. every close game, it seems like. They do. So, like... They do. Who knows what can happen if if you have a team that maybe gets a better turnover differential that is... Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, though, like, do, would, who would you rather have with the ball in, in his hands late, Tyrod or Herbert or Phillip Rivers? I still think I'm taking Rivers, even I'm though he makes Rivers, mistakes. Yeah, I'm taking Rivers with this pedigree. I mean, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of Justin Herbert. I mean, we you can sit here and say, like, he was the first overall pick, top ten pick, but we've seen those people fold year in, year out. Tyrod, I said it before, I don't think he's a guy that leads you to a victory two minutes left. I just don't see him making those clutch of throws. So, yeah, like, Phil Rivers, easily. So, like, that's why I said, like, I think their win total would have been higher half or two a game if their quarterback situation was different. Now, Justin Herbert can come in the league and just, like, something click, you know, different different system than I mean, he was in that organization. He just take you know, it. Yeah, it's he, just his mental game that he needs to he's he he's athletic. He can throw the ball. He, I mean, coming into the league day 1, he's got a top 5 arm in the league. The guy can heave the fucking ball. Yeah. But I don't know. They're they're like one of the more interesting teams I like to see cuz like you said it, like their defense on paper if it's not the one of the best defense in the league, it's definitely top 5. And their defense is going to keep them in games. It's just, can they score enough to win these games? And they do have a true receiver one in Keenan Allen. I don't know if their running game is sufficient enough with Eckler being the number one back, but... One of uh, those backs is going to have to step up and be a... be re- Whether it's Eckler, Jackson, Joshua Kelly, or someone else maybe that comes out in camp, one of these guys is going to have to be able to be a, a consistent runner of the football. Not this this screen stuff, because I'm not sure you're going to get your receiving back any better than you had it with Rivers. Rivers is really good at getting his, his backs involved in the passing game. I mean, maybe Tyrod can do the same thing, but I'm not sure that it's going to improve by any stretch. And especially if you put in Herbert, I don't think it improves under Herbert. I, I don't like Herbert with his short passing game um so i think you're right that the running game is going to be a factor but i like the point that you said earlier this is probably just going to have to be a defensive team if they want to hit the over they're just going to have to keep games close not make mistakes i think this is going to be a big season for anthony lynn to see you know is he is he legit is he the coach that the chargers need to put them over the top and in the playoffs, and to contend for Super Bowls, because you're going to have to deal with Patrick Mahomes for however many years. Barring really bad injury, I think that's the only way that Patrick Mahomes isn't just dominating the league for years to come. So you're going to have to compete with that. And that's tough. You're going to have to put together some pretty damn good teams, because you're playing them twice every year. 
And, you know, you got teams like the Broncos who are on the come up. The Raiders, I don't think, are a slouch of a, of a team. So they're just in a tough spot here. I, I'd like this yeah. over a little more if they were in the AFC South, you know, where that division's a little more open. But winning mm-hmm. eight games in a, in a division where these offenses look like they're really improving, I, I'm, I'm going under. So let's go to the Raiders now. The Raiders... I think the Raiders are the big wild card for this division. Their over-unders at seven and a half. Vegas seems to like the Raiders a little bit. I think they shocked everyone last year with how competent of a team they were. You know, a lot of people coming into last season were saying, oh, Gruden had a terrible draft. Um, he, he's washed. He's not a, a good NFL coach. But he came in and he shocked some people. You know, a lot yeah. of the picks seem to have panned out. I think I personally believe that Derek Carr is still a starting quarterback in the league. So I think you, you can take this one. What are you thinking about this Raiders over under at seven and a half? Dude, I like the over. I mean, you you said they were a wild card team, just like just speaking of like you really don't know what they do. You can they can fly on the radar, but like I truly have them a wild card team, like making the wild card oh, in the okay. playoffs. Uh, I like this team a lot. I saw some great progression. John Gruden seems like he knows what he's doing. He found a gem in Josh Jacobs, a workhorse. You get another year with Derek Carr in this offense. I like Derek Carr a lot. You added some major weapons around him where like receivers should not even be like a discussion anymore. And I think the defense can come into his own. Seven and a half – I mean, I like them more than I do the Chargers, even though the Chargers might have a better roster, but that's because of quarterback play and coach for me. So I'm going over. I like this team going somewhere around 9-7. I really do. I think this is the year they turn, the, turn, uh, turn over the stone and start making headway, make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I think the Raiders going back, I mean, they finished second in the division last year. Um. And, I mean, their, their draft picks just panned out. A guy, Guys like Max Crosby, he's probably one of the most underrated, elite coming-up pass rushers in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this year they had another one of those questionable drafts, but um, Gruden and, and, and what's his name? What's the GM? It's a... Uh, oh, shit. What is his name? God damn. That should be so easy. He's always in the news. Yeah, he's that uh, Mayock. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, Matt um, Mayock. Mayock. They seem to have been really intent on taking these, you know, high character guys, guys that can that can really turn around the culture for this team. Um, I think the defense for them is going to be really interesting. It's a it's a very young defense. It guys is. like Jonathan Abraham. Max Crosby, Cleland Farrell, they're going to have to step up and be some dominant defensive players. They didn't add a ton in free agency this year. Their biggest pickup was probably Prince Amukamara for defense. <laughs> you know, so he's going to be competing with, with their first-round pick, Damon Arnett, probably, and, and Travion Mullen for, for time. Um. But they, I think they have a, a, a an army of good pass rushers. Just yeah. looking at it, you get you have Farrell and Crosby, who we already said. You have Carl Nassib. Who they still have Arden Key, right? What's up? 
They still have Arden Key, too. Yeah, they have Arden Key, P.J. Hall, Maurice Hurst, Malik Collins, Jonathan Hankins. Like, not that these guys are necessarily elite, but this is these are a lot of guys that can play. And, I mean, we saw a couple years ago what the Cowboys were able to do where, um, you know, they had just a big rotation of pass rushers not necessarily that any of them were insanely elite at the time, but they, they just rotated so many guys that everyone was fresh that you didn't need, you know, these insane studs, these Khalil Macks. You were able to get a committee of guys all working together and playing really well. Um, they pick up Corey Littleton. So this, this is a really interesting over-under. I think the offensively speaking, a guy that I'm really excited to see how they use is Lynn Bowden Jr. out of Kentucky. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't watching a ton of him, and I wasn't super high on him before the draft. But after he got picked, I thought he went pretty early. Um, yeah, he did. They're saying they're going to use him as a, as a running back. Um, he mm. got drafted. He was listed as a receiver. He played quarterback at Kentucky. And, man, that guy's shifty. It, it consistently at Kentucky, it was taking multiple guys to tackle him on every play. So if you were, if you have a guy like Lynn Bowden on top of these other weapons, we all know people like Josh Jacobs, Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro, um, Darren Waller. Yeah, Darren Waller. This could be this could be a really interesting offense, and I think the Raiders have gone for more of a depth depth focus than going for top-end talent, which I'm really interested to see how it works out. Now, with the mm-hmm. overrun, I'm just not sure they win eight games. That's the only problem. I like the direction they're heading. I just think they're a little bit too young. So I'm going to take the mm-hmm. under. But I, I like the, the direction that the Raiders are heading. I think they're trying to set themselves up for more, not that they can't compete this year, but I think that they're so young that they're looking more to set themselves up for the future than say, oh, here, we're trying to win the Super Bowl this season. So I think that next year the Raiders could definitely be a team where I'm saying, okay, I'm going to be scared for this team. They could be a playoff caliber team, especially if they were, if they're able to add, you know, a, a high quality free agent or two, another draft class under their belt. So I'm going to hit the under here, but I'm not going to deny the talent they have. And now, See, last yeah. but not least, we've got the Broncos. Broncos mm. are also at 7.5, which I was a little surprised by. I thought the Broncos would have the second highest over-under with all the hype they've been getting, all the weapons they added. So you can start it off here. What are you thinking about the Broncos at 7.5? Uh, this is tough. This is really tough because, like, you really got to buy into the Drew Locke hype at the end of the season. And also, like, the Broncos, I mean, first of all, big key is they get Bradley Chubb back. You know, Bradley Chubb missed the whole last season, so Von Miller's got a little pair going on there. And they were one of the hottest teams in uh, the season last year. They also would have made the playoffs last year if a couple games just go their way in. So the question is, like, they're going to be in games, and they surrounded Drew Luck with all this talent. Can he 
bring it to the next level and close out these games. So seven and a half, that's tough. Uh, I thought then, that was low. I like looking it, at it from face value. I thought I was, if I were to predict what it would have been, I was thinking eight and a half or eight. Yeah. I thought it'd be a little higher because I thought Vegas would just love all their like off-season additions. Like they have, they're tied for the lowest over/under in this division, which kind of shocked me. I thought that they would be at least half a game over the Raiders and probably the Chargers too. Yeah, I mean, if I like, I'm gonna, I'm choosing the over here because I'll take them winning eight games. I don't know if they really make playoffs. And I said the Raiders will make the playoffs, and I still believe that they're the second best team in this division, even though they probably don't have the best roster. Because uh, I'm just going based off coach. But, like, them choosing the Chargers to be the last team in this division, it, if you really think about it, look at it now, like, this is tough. This division got really, it, the division, these three teams, really address like making themselves like competitive against the Chiefs who look like they could just run the league for the next couple of years with Patrick Mahomes. But I'll take that over. I think I can easily see the Broncos win an eight, if not nine. I mean they should have won nine games up the last year and would have been in the playoffs last year if they had a couple of games to go their way. I think this is a turning season where those games do go their way. Drew Locke, I don't think he's Messiah or he's the second coming or anything, but he can make enough plays where it makes the Broncos competitive and keep them in games, and they can find a way to win these games. Yeah, you know, everyone, the entire entire league has been talking about these crazy additions that the Broncos have had. Guys like Jerry Judy, who was my number one receiver coming into the draft. You know, you pick up Melvin Gordon, so you have a whole committee of talented backs. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with a guy like Royce Freeman if they try to move him. But regardless, mm-hmm. I think Noah Fant is one of the best young tight ends in the league. He really impressed me last year. They also picked up KJ Hamler, and they also, you know, they got guys like Deshaun Hamilton, um, who played all right last year, but he goes from being a second receiver to a possible fourth receiver, a lot less pressure on him. But I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball here because they hired Vic Fangio, the uh, defensive coordinator, when the Bears had that absolute stud of a defense and they lost to to the double doink in the Uh, playoffs. So they (laughs) they pick up Gerald Casey. From the from the yeah. Titans, one yeah. of my favorite three four DNs in the entire league, and I think he's coming out that. for blood this year because he was pissed the way the Titans treated him. Um, they mm-hmm. pick up AJ Bouye from the Jacksonville Jaguars to replace Chris Harris Jr. So I mean, AJ Bouye has shown that he's a pretty dominant corner in the league. Um, yeah, but see that number one guy, uh, like uh, he was the number two guy with Jalen. Yes, he was the so number can two he guy. Be that, can he be that number one guy? That's a, that's a good question. But like, I, yeah, I still like AJ Bouye's talent there. Um, Kareem Jackson, I think they have is a good safety. I think they have a, a pretty underrated safety pair in Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. And they also have one of my 
favorite underrated linebackers in the league and Alexander Johnson out of Tennessee. Um, mm. He's a guy that's kind of flown, flown under the radar. I was watching a little bit of the Broncos. I think he's got some talent and can step up and be a, not necessarily a dominant number one linebacker, but he could be a guy that comes in and shocks some people, especially if this Broncos mm-hmm. team turns out to be really good. So I just think I like this whole team. Coaching staff, I was a huge Vic Vangio guy. Um, I was saying when they hired him, that might be my favorite coaching hire because everyone's going after these offensive coaches and whatnot. G- give me the defensive guy. Give me a guy in a, in a division where – you know, you got to play the Chiefs twice a year. Give me the defensive guy. And I, I think the Broncos are set up for a lot of success. I'm also going to take the over. Unlike you, I think the Broncos are going to be a playoff team this year, even though I'm not the biggest Drew Locke guy. I, I'm i not not a huge Drew Locke guy by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah. you saw what happened at Mizzou when he plays hot and he's playing confident. The guy can play really well. I mean, he broke the SEC touchdown record until joe burrow then shattered it this season but yeah, they, my one they, season. <laughs> they get jerry judy to fall into their lap at pick 15 you know I, the most talented receiver on my board by a decent margin um once again i i can't understate how good noah font looked last year i think noah font is primed for a big season this year uh i i really like what what the denver broncos are doing as long as their defense doesn't get decimated by injuries, mainly to Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, that unreal pass rushing pair, I, I just think they have everything it takes to be a playoff team just across the oh, board. Yeah. They have all they the do, positions of need. They do have it. I mean, like, especially with getting Bradley Chubb back, that's scary because, like, Von Miller not being double teamed every single snap just opens them up to do whatever Von Miller does. So I, that is a very scary team. I mean, like you look at it, they got talent all over that roster. Like I said, dude, that division is going to be tough. Like the Chiefs, this isn't a walk in the park, even though I know we both took the over for them. It isn't a walk in park like it was from years past. Yeah, I just think the big question – for the Broncos is this offensive line. This offensive line struggled last year. Um, but, I mean, it's young. They, got, they have talent. Guys like Dalton Reisner. Um, uh, what's the, uh, Garrett Bowles. He was a first-round pick. Pick up Juwan James. Um, I, you know, I think that's just going to be a big question mark for him. Uh, they're starting Lloyd Cushenberry now, it looks like. He was the, uh, I'm pretty sure he was the right guard at LSU. He might have been the center. So, you know, you got a young offensive line. It's got some talent, but they're going to have to really pick it up this season if they want Drew Locke and the rest of this offense to be successful. I mean, it, it's a tale as old as time. You, you can have all the weapons you want. But it all starts with the big boys up front. They have it on defense, but they need to have it on offense, too, if they want this team to be really good. Comparing them to the Chiefs, for example, the Chiefs have a pretty dominant offensive line. And that makes the weapons just that much better. The the Broncos are going to need to have some of these guys step up and play really well 
if they want to have a similar success to that team. Yeah. So that's it for the over-unders. Just to recap, it looks so we both took the over on the Chiefs. Um, we both took the under on the Chargers. You took the over on the Raiders. I went under on the Raiders. And then we both took the over on the Broncos. Yeah, I think that's going to be a very competitive division. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be – this is probably the most interesting division in the AFC. Yeah. Like, who knows? Besides, I, like, like interesting, like, I think competitive-wise, yes. Like, the East is interesting just because, like, you know, what are the Patriots going to do with, without Brady and who's going to win that division? But, yeah, this is, like, I think one more – it's the toughest division, I think, in the AFC. I, even though the North has gotten, seems like, you know, like the Browns, Ravens, could make headlines. These teams, they got all better, and they're ready to make some moves. Yeah, you could argue that all four of these teams are a playoff caliber team coming into the season. Um, yeah, especially think- with that extra, extra spot in the playoffs now. Yeah, I just think this is going to come down to almost who can stay healthy a little bit because of the talent. You know, if any one of these teams, if they have, if they if they catch the injury bug, it could really screw them because these division games are going to be very competitive for this division. There's there's no slouch in the division. I mean, you saw one of the reasons why a team like the Patriots was able to have consistent success was that. Generally speaking, there was at least one, usually two slouches in that division. But mm-hmm. this division, with, I mean, looking at it, it makes me almost want to switch my Chiefs over to an under. But I'm going to stick with it. But this, this, these division games are going to be really tough, really competitive. All right, we're going to move on here from the over-unders. And we're going to go into me and Steed's top 10 coaches in the league. So I'm going to start here. I'm going to just go through my top 10. He'll go through his. So in order, I have the GOAT, Bill Belichick, at number one. Then I've got John Harbaugh, number two. Andy Reid, number three. Kyle Shanahan, number four. Mike Tomlin at five. Pete Carroll at six. Sean Payton at seven. Sean McVay at eight. Mike Zimmer at nine. And then Doug Peterson at 10. Steve, what are yours? All right, so I go, man, dude, this list is so hard. But I got Belichick. Two, I got Pete Carroll. Three, Andy Reid. Four, Sean Payton. Five, John Harbaugh. Six, Sean McVay. Seven, Doug Peterson. Eight, Mike Tomlin. Nine, Mike Zimmer. And then ten, I was, I was, wanted to put Sean McDermott in this so bad, but I ended up putting Shanny. I put Shanahan at 10. Like, you have Kyle now. Shanahan at 10? Yeah, I mean, like, dude. You're like, like the biggest I, Kyle dude. Shanahan guy I know, and you have him all the way down there at 10? But like, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think Kyle Shanahan's easily the best offensive mind in the game. Uh, the defense dude, they just came went to the Super Bowl with a nasty defense. Yeah, with a nasty defense. Like, I, like, but talk about the three seasons he was there prior to that. I mean, what did they do? And do nothing. They were finishing last in their division. They were t- picking the top five every year. 
And then it's uh, like when you pick in the top they five like that, you're just able together. to. Yeah, but like Jimmy G was injured too. Like he was hurt. Okay. Yeah, they but like get Reese some dominant pass rushers. Jimmy like, G is. Yeah, because you, you said like, with the, you you were saying when you were saying when the Niners signed Shanahan that it, it was the saving grace to that franchise. And I was right. I was right, dude. Like, it's just, it's tough, dude. Like, I mean, I'm looking at it. And like, you have the 10? But look, look, look at the uh, the background here. Pete Carroll makes the playoffs every year. Shan's made it once. Andy Reid's, like, right there with Shan, best offensive mind in the game. Just won a Super Bowl, makes it to the AFC Championship every year. Sean Payton, Sean Payton. John Harbaugh could easily be, like, one of the most consistent coaches in the league. Sean McVay. He's the one that opened up the whole new like coaching realm to like younger coaches. Different strategy. You don't have a pedigree for success if you have the strategy. Doug Peterson, I, he's won the Super Bowl. He makes he wins that division almost every year. And you look at he's taken like a quarterback. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, and his first year they missed the playoffs. Next year they won the Super Bowl. So there you go. Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, like, I can't argue him at eight. Like, dude's been around forever, never had a losing season. And then Mike Zimmer, like, the Vikings are a very consistent team. Like, Shanahan, if he won a couple more games before game, beforehand, I'd put him up farther. It's just, dude, like, if I look at it, and, you know, I'm a huge Shanny guy, I probably he probably will be in my top five because, like, some at one bit out of all these people that make the list, out of these 10 people, like three of them won't make the playoffs next year, three or four. And I don't know, like, I just see it like Shanahan, you know, like, he had to get the defense to really do his thing. And when you're picking top five, like he has every year, besides this year, you're doing it. Um, uh, just just to counterpoint a little bit here, yes, Pete Carroll's had success and made the playoffs every year, but he's got the number one quarterback or top three, top two quarterback in the league, not number one necessarily. Um, Mike Tomlin, um, he has some of the best organizational structure and culture in the entire league with the Steelers and one of the best general managers in the league as well. Um, you know, it, it's hard to argue Sean Payton. I have Sean Payton at seven and I have, I have Pete Carroll and Tomlin, who I just kind of trash talked both above Sean Payton, but I mean, ah, yeah, maybe, maybe Sean Payton is better than them now that I'm looking at it, but I've got Shanahan before. I, I love Shanahan. I think he's I such a great coach. Like if. I'm almost looking at this like if I had my run of the mill, if I had to pick any coach in the league just to make a team with no team behind it, um, you know, my list is this. And I just love Shanahan. He's a guy that has an emphasis on running the ball, except for in the Super Bowl. But regardless of that. No, he runs the ball until the fourth quarter when he's up two scores. Then he decides <laughs> to throw it every play. <laughs> yeah. that, that's his strategy. That's also another He's been to two Super Bowls now. One's as a coordinator, one's a head coach. And he just refuses to run the damn ball. <laughs> just run the ball, man. 
I just don't understand that. Like, I can play Madden right there. If I'm up two scores, I'm running the fucking ball because I can juice off half the time. Like, come on. You know, I think that's just the biggest knock on Shanahan is that he'll get you to a Super Bowl, but he won't manage that Super Bowl well. At least not the fourth he quarter. He won't win it. <laughs> um, and then but, everybody will blame everyone else. It's, I don't know. But going going back to this, because you have you have Shanahan at ten, which just shocked me. Um, where where did you have McDermott at seven? You said. No, I didn't even put McDermott. Oh, you in didn't here. even put him in. Yeah, because he's a guy that we both wanted to fit in, but just couldn't really find a spot. Like, if I really, like, if I want to put him in, uh, I'd move Shanahan up, and I'd take Zimmer out, and yeah, I would probably put, him put in over Zimmer. Zimmer. Yeah, it's I just he doesn't have the pedigree. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't really put him in there, even though I think he's really good. Dude, he's made the playoffs two, three years he's been with the Bills. Like, I know he has no playoff wins, but he's really brought in a great defense there. He's a young quarterback. They're favorite to win that division. When's the last time you could say the Bills are the favorite to win the AFC East? And, like, I mean, he's changed the whole culture there. You don't really see any drama going on with Bills. I don't know. I just think, like, they got, like, a really good find in McDermott. But, like... If I put in McDermott, then I got to drop up Zimmer because uh, I would probably move Tomlin back to nine, take Shanahan. Because, like, if I'm honestly looking at my list now and I hate how pedigree is part of it, like, you know me, I would take Shanahan over out of these coaches. There's two coaches I'd probably take Shanahan over, and that would be Belichick and Andy Reid. The rest, I'm taking Shanahan over. Oh, I'm but taking I'm Shanahan on, on, over him, too. I don't know. I think you give me Shanahan. Give me the young guy. Give me the offensive mastermind. Put a Harbaugh defense around us. We'll figure so it out. so consistent, though. Like, he went, had an insane team that he pretty much inherited, Had has no players from that team, and has now built another insane team with more Hall of Fame caliber players. Like, yeah, uh, you can say that about a lot of teams. Like, yeah, like they had, look they at Sean Bay. He like changes under him. Everything's changed except for Harbaugh, and they're still sick. Like, there was rumors yeah. that he was going to be fired two years ago, and I was jumping for joy. I was like, please fire Harbaugh. Give us the division. And he stuck around, and now they're sick. They're, like, the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, but, like, you can look at a coach like Sean McVay, who inherited a team where Jared Goff was the number one pick. They went, like, like 4-12, and 3-13 and 13 the year before. Complete different change. And then he won that division going 11-5, and, and the next year he's in the Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of these coaches, that's what they do. That's why they're in the top ten. They take, like, a team, they get them, and then they automatically win that division and make that team a contender, you know? And Shanahan, he took a team, I would say, like, maybe not in the same graphs as the Rams because the Rams were uh, – the 49ers were decimated in talent, and they didn't have a talent like Aaron Donald – and didn't make it as much as aggressive moves as the Rams did. But that being said, they made the playoffs 
and Sean McVay's first year with quick turnaround where they won like eight more games and Shanahan the next year, Grant, I know he barred some like injuries at quarterback where he was starting and he ended up starting like the third string, that guy from like, what was his name? Nick Mullins. Yeah, Nick Mullins. Guy from Southern Miss. So like, yeah, like he wasn't, he didn't have like all his eggs in the basket like Sean McVay and all them. But at the end of the day, like if you're a top coach, like we, I've been saying the last two years, I said the year before the 49ers were my sleeper team, Richard Sherman and Jimmy G go down. They would have made the playoffs two years ago. This year, I said the 49ers were my sleeper team again going with them, and they made the Super Bowl, but you could just look at the roster and know they would be a beast, and they got Bosa. We all know that was that he was the best player in that draft. So, like... Am I going to get like I can't give too much credit to a guy that's picking at number two and three every year that you're just finally going to have it planted out in year number four or five. I mean, you could say the same thing with a ton of teams like the Browns have been picking the top 10 for years and years now. And they they still are. Yeah, but but like they they haven't had a coach like Shanahan. This doesn't make Shanahan a top three coach in the game. But I'm not saying he's top three. I'm saying he's four. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but like, but look at like, okay, first of all, good ownership. 49ers, first of all, have been notoriously known as a well established franchise in this league for years. And this is before our time. They were winning Super Bowls. Okay, that pedigree just doesn't leave. And the Browns, I, I don't remember last time the Browns actually went eight and eight. I, I don't even think. That, that I'm I'm not even accustomed to seeing the eight in that win column. Okay, I'm accustomed to seeing the Browns going two and fourteen. I'm I'm just used to that win loss percentage being under five hundred. I'm not <laughs> with that. The 49ers. they have the establishment where they can get good players and good players will play for them. So if you want to judge the Browns and 49ers, them picking earlier for early rounds, early in the first round for a couple years. Yes, you can do that. But then again, I don't think that all falls on a coach. That falls more on management, and you see the Browns jumping ship on coaches every year. Oh, yeah, I was just kind of picking the low-hanging fruit there. But, but like, I mean, if, if the Browns just said, you know what, fuck it, fuck Hugh Jackson, because he's a pile of dog crap, and he sucks, and I don't know why he's still our coach. And just when Shanny was over there and chose, like, we're just going to promote Shanahan. Is Shanahan making the Browns like the 49ers this year? I mean, that's a good question. Does he? I mean, I'd be, a, re- I'd be really scared of the Browns with Shanahan at the helm. Yeah, I would too. He would have Baker, you know, that Nick Chubb. It, dude, like, holy hell. <laughs> like, he's, he is running all over the place. And oh, not, yeah, Nick Chubb is getting 1,500 yards. And not even to, like, knock off, they're probably signing a guy like Ted Coleman. I mean, the big reason why Tevin Coleman went to the 49ers because Shanahan's the guy that drafted him in the second round back in 2015. So we would have a two-headed monster there. I mean, it's, it's crazy if, like, you just want to sit back and look. Like, if you're a franchise, be like, dude, if we just made that one coaching change, like, we're – like a team to be reckoned with. And I think the Browns can do that to a lot of coaches because they've missed out on so many for years to come. But like, dude, you had them in the organization. Should have just kept them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, going out, you know, aside from Shanahan, 
you know, some and aside from McDermott. So going into these other guys that I think just missed the list for me are Vic Fangio, coach of the Broncos. Very, very big Vic Fangio fan. I was only been a head coach for one year with the Broncos last year, but I I think just in terms of defensive coaches, he's one of the best, if not the best in the NFL right now, especially with Dean Pease gone from the Titans. I know um, we talked speak- about Vrabel. Vrabel was- yeah, speaking of the Titans, Vrabel. I love Vrabel, what he's done with that organization, has created this smash mouth, we'll hit you in the, we'll, we'll hit you culture. You know, oh, yeah. dude, they, they just draft these chunks. You know, or have just acquired chunks. You got Derrick Henry, dude's massive. AJ Brown, dude's pretty freaking big and super fast. Like going <laughs> down the rest of the roster, that all giants. So yeah, and I think that he does it like a less superior too. What's up? Like, I mean, he does it with a less superior quarterback too. Like, just bringing in back Shanny since we were hammering Shanahan, like. Who would you rather have on the team, Jimmy G or Ryan Tannehill? You get both last year, both playing at the same level that they were playing at. Well, if they're if I get Tannehill playing at that level that he was playing late in the regular season, I'll take Tannehill. Yeah, before a franchise, I mean, like well, I think Jimmy G's G got might the be. Age. A, yeah, I think that Jimmy yeah. G might just be a more consistent quarterback. You know, just a guy that makes the right decision and plays the position well. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Like, if you want to – like, I know we did our top ten quarterbacks, but, like, there is a bridge of quarterbacks, like, where you get into there, and it's, like, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G, all these quarterbacks capable of winning games. But, like, who would you take over the one? Because, like, I don't know. It's just it's throw Derek Carr in there probably, too. Yeah, Derek Carr is in there. I mean – he hasn't had like the team around him like a uh, Ryan Tannehill like last year or a Jimmy G, especially last year. I mean, like everybody would tell you that was the best roster in the league and should have won the Super Bowl. I mean, like also like you give me crap for putting Shanny at ten. I love Shanny. I'm the biggest Shanny supporter out here. But like, if it takes you two Super Bowls to figure out how to win where you have to run the ball when you're up two scores, I'm sorry, you're getting knocked off on this list. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't understand it, man. You have Raheem Mostert, who just won NFC, who just ran all over the balls with Packer, Packers, who had this really good defense, and everybody's seeing, ooh, the Packers, great defense, great run defense, we can do it all, and just ran for almost 200 yards in them in the NFC Championship, and you neglect to run with them late in the Super Bowl, get out of here. I mean, at the same time, though, there are plenty of franchises that would drop a whole lot to get a coach that will at least take them to a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, I, like, after the uh, Falcon Super Bowl, I wanted them to fire Dan Quinn and just promote Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, like, dude, I, I told Dan, I was like, dude, like, we didn't get here because of Dan Quinn, like, we got here because of Kyle Shanahan. Might as well just drop his ass and just, boom, put in Shanny. Yeah, some of the other coaches, though, that are just outside this list. For me, Bruce Arians. I'm a big Bruce Arians guy. Obviously, as a Steelers fan, I think he's a really good coach. It's going to be really yeah. interesting to see what he does with, with all the talent that, that is in Tampa Bay. But you got the expectations, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how he manages that. Then um, Frank Reich. 
coach of the Colts, I think, is just in there. Um, I know you don't agree with me on some of these, but I think Bill O'Brien is relatively close. As much hated as that's going to get me. I, In terms of coaching, not management, in terms of coaching, I think Bill O'Brien's really good. Um, yeah, he's a good coach. Yeah, he's a good coach. Like, just why just, they made him a GM, you know. Giving them too much power. They want that Belichick Brady power with, like, Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. I just, like, if you're going to try to beat the Patriots, don't play like the Patriots on the field. Like, yeah. it, or off the field. <laughs> or off the field. Yeah, I mean, clearly it doesn't work. You get DeAndre Hopkins for a washed-ass David Johnson and then sign Brandon Cooks, which Brandon Cooks, like, I think, like, he was kind of wasted away in the Rams anyways because, like, I just don't know if he was a good fit. But, like, if Brandon Cooks is a home run hitter, like, he still has that elite speed we've talked about and we're waiting him to break out. I mean, Deshaun Watson creates enough time back there because, like, the dude loves to scramble around and do his shit. He could easily just be throwing it downfield to Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Um, Matt LaFleur. I think is pretty yeah. close. I know you're so anti Packers, but I, I like Matt LaFleur. I he's just a he's, smart he's coach. another he's another Falcons guy. He was on that Falcons Super Bowl team. He was quarterback coach. And I mean I like LaFleur. I think he's like I think he's a uh, Walmart version, an off brand version of Kyle Shanahan. That is my just view on him. Because I, he's like, just you a know, smart coach. If, if you look at him, they kind of look the same. Also, <laughs> yeah, they kind of like, do. <laughs> and also, like, I think LaFleur, like, kind of, like, when he was sitting in those rooms, he would look at Shanahan and just be like, all right, I'm going to try to be like him. And, like, he, I, there's just something missing with him. That, that if, For him to be offensive mind and you get one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and I understand you went 13 the NFC though. Championship. But, dude. It's not like he, he didn't spinning. do anything. He they went 13-3. and three. It was, uh, it it's was not like he underperformed. It was just fate to me, dude. Like I don't, I like I did not buy into that team. I did not buy into that what, team. What, like, why I, you hate the Packers so much? I don't know what. It is. I don't hate the Packers. I don't hate the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> I just think they're fake. I just think they're fake. I think they're a fake team. I just don't understand the hype on them. And then last but not least, um, last two guys that I would, I mean, not necessarily consider, but they're relatively close, Brian Floors and, and John Gruden. I think Floors, it's too early to tell, but I like a lot what he's doing with the Dolphins team. I mean, the fact that he won, what was it, five games last year was a miracle in, in and of itself. Oh, yeah. he, everyone gave up on that team, and he was able to just will them together. Um. And then yeah, I, I'm a John guy. I said it earlier. I really like what the Raiders are doing with that team. You know, just building it completely, turning it around from the ground up with a lot of young talent. I really like Gruden. Um, so yeah, that's that's the top ten coaches. Uh, any Andy any guys Lynn. that you like a lot that you you said Anthony Lynn, like anyone that you think could have somewhat had merit for the top ten. Dan Quinn. Oh, Dan Quinn. I thought you said Anthony Lynn. No, nah, not Anthony Lynn. Call, call me when Anthony Lynn gets a, reaches the Super Bowl. I might not be calling you for a while. <laughs> uh, no, what, do you think, I mean, like, what do you think of Cliff Kingsbury? 
Dude, I I mean, like I said when I talked about McVeigh, he kind of like set that whole standard where you don't have to have like a lot of these coaches like take Pete Carroll for example, like had all that winning at USC, winning Natties, going to the national championship, coaching Reggie Bush and players like that, and he's brought into the NFL. I think like Sean McVay was that perfect standard where like you don't really need to have that success. And Cliff Kingsbury, like the Cardinals, like caught on to it. It was all part of the system. They got a guy who fits in this newer mold of offense in the NFL we've been seeing. And I mean, dude, like it, Colin Murray took him the first pick. That was the easiest first pick like to bet on in history because he said when he was recruiting him, and he said before, if I had the first overall pick, I would take Colin Murray. He has a coaching job where he has the first overall pick, Tate's Collar. <laughs> and I think, like, I mean, I remember talking to you. I was like, dude, like, I would take Bosa too, but I think they're gonna they're gonna tell Josh Rosen to hit the hit hit the sand, man. Go hit, go walk, because we're gonna take Kyler. I mean, he said it a year before and he did it. But going back to Cliff Kingsbury, I think he the Cardinals were obviously not a very talented roster last year. They found the gym and Colin Murray, a guy that doesn't turn over the ball, and he's a playmaker. Where I see him like kind of like a Russell Wilson in that aspect, can make plays, but at the same time play very smart, which kept them in games, and they won games. So, I, I mean, Cardinals were one of those teams for me from earlier podcasts where I could see them making noise. I really like Kiff. Cliff Kingsbury and that what he what he brings. So are are you buying shares of the Cardinals this year? If I'm buying shares, yes, I'll buy shares. But like I'm not expecting them to pay out this year. Or I would hope they would start paying out next year after this year, and definitely two years down the road when you know Kyler is like on this fourth year of that contract and they can get like really like drafted a team around them. But I mean, Larry Fitz is getting older. So you think like uh, whenever he announces like this is going to be his final season or something like that, like they're going to get the troops around them. I mean, they just had, this I year, thought they had though, a just for this year. Are you buying or selling the Cardinals? I'm buying. Yeah, I'm I buying. think I'm buying too. I, I'm really buying into the Kyler Murray hype. Let's watch I am him too, bit I love Kyler. He's I, just I like, I like really good. Little, little, he's so small, but like it, it, I just like watching him on the cannon. field. He just yeah, he's got a cannon, but he is just noticeably so much smaller than everybody on the field. And like I, I don't know. I just love I love Kyler in college too. Like he just he was a man. I remember when he went to AM, I was like, I watched him a couple times play a couple games. I was like, dude's going to be a real deal. AM's AM. Don't always pan out with, with the quarterbacks. Transfers, goes to Lincoln Riley. Boom, there you go. That's the question. Five years from now, you think Lincoln Riley's in the top 10 of this coaching list? I mean, he's got to go to the NFL first. I'm not sure he yeah. wants to be an NFL guy. And that actually reminds me because, like, Everybody was linking Lincoln Riley to the Cowboys. Well, we forgot about the Cowboys got a new coach, you know? Yeah. They got uh, um, Dude, what's his name? Damn. Mike McCarthy. Yeah, Mike McCarthy. Classic Mike West McCarthy. Coast guy. Yeah. I mean, dude, 
let's think about it. Mike McCarthy has what? Like, I think he's all time has the all time winning percentage in Packers history, and we're talking about some all time greats there at coaching too. And he gets put on a very good, a very talented Cowboys team. Yeah, Dak just signed that uh, franchise tag too, didn't he? Oh yeah. So yeah, you get he did. Dak. He's coming. He's coming. He's he's making his thirty one point four mil this year, and see what he can I do with that. Impromptu but, segment right here. Are you surprised that the Dak Prescott signed that franchise tag? I was no. kind of surprised. I I if I were him, I think I'd be trying to go for the deal. I don't. I think he's going to use this because if I'm. It, what, what I'm seeing from Dak is like, you, well, we talked about it. He wanted that 40 mil, and then Jerry Jones wanted him to sign for 35, which uh, were like, it was the same number around Russell Wilson. And I think Dak is going to use this one year. You know, he's getting his 30 mil plus guaranteed, but he's going to use this one year. If he can feed off the stats like he did last year and that defense actually play like they're capable of playing and he gets another weapon like C.D. Lamb, if they go 12-4 and four, and they're a talented team where they can make the NFC Championship, how do you not sign Dak Prescott after that to whatever he wants? Yeah, and who knows if, if Mahomes gets his, like, what, like 45 or 50 mil that he's trying to get or something? Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. I mean... The market seems to just be going up and up, so maybe this is a, a the correct decision from Dak. If he goes out, plays really well, and then he can get that forty mil, and there's just no yeah. questions asked. It's like, hey, and then you just bag thirty three or whatever the number was this year. You know, you're making bank. He's see, going like, to be I, very loaded. See, I like this deal for Dak because he's putting all his eggs in his basket just on himself. You know, like he's like. I mean, you got a talent. You got a Cowboys. You got on paper the best team in that division. Yeah, but especially like with himself, um, if he performs and the team performs because the team's going to perform only as well he performs. And if he's able to excel the way he thinks he is, if he plays like <laughs> he did last season to another notch, and that defense picks up where it should have been, then that team's a legit Super Bowl contender. And then that just helps his case even more. Now, if he goes out there and has a decent season like he did last year, let's say he falls off a bit and they just go 9 and 7 and miss the playoffs again, then like he's not he's going to have to like really bar down his deal because he's not going to be getting 35 mil. He probably gets somewhere around 33, 34, I would think. But if he's able to go out there and play like MVP candidate, which like he is, like I'm not saying I put him out there, but like Looking at odds and everything, he's top five in odds to win MVP. He's betting on himself, which I think could turn out to be very good for him because that's a fully loaded team, especially with like, dude, like, look who has better weapons than Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, and Michael Gallup. You know, yeah, with a really good offensive line as well. I mean, they lost Jason, uh, yeah. not Jason Kelsey. They lost um Travis Frederick, oh, which stinks. Yeah, they lost. But at the same time, I mean, the Eagles and just Jason lost one of their top, top interior lineman in Brandon Brooks. So, I I think that we well, all know how that division's going to pan out. It is literally going to be the Eagles sitting there at five and seven, and 
Carson Wentz is going to carry them for like the last half of the season. They're going to be underperforming. Carson Wentz is going to carry them. And then it's going to come in the last week. Cowboys, Eagles, winner take all. Like it just happens every year, it seems like. Yeah, but what if that <laughs> NFC East just turns out and all those teams are just nasty, just winning games? And it's just, you know, it's you get three playoff good. teams out of the NFC East. That'd be, that. I, I would not be shocked by that. Oh. The NFC East is known for doing that kind of stupid stuff. I, I just can't see the Giants or the Redskins like contending to win playoffs. But Dude, like, you talk about, about new the- coaches, Ron Rivera on the Skins, the Skins, man. Ron Rivera is the most boringest coach I've ever watched. <laughs> I think I'd rather bang my head against the wall and get COVID three times and watch R- Ron Rivera coach my team. I like, like Ron I, Rivera, man. I, I think he's, he's a good coach. Guy. He's good. Co- he's a good coach. Good guy. It's just like, dude, he just brings nothing to the table for me. Like, and I've watched a lot of Falcons Panthers games when he was there, and I'm just like. Like, really? You're losing to this guy? Like, look at this guy. Like, you tell, <laughs> look at a picture of Ron Rivera and be like, why am I losing to a game to this guy? Like, I you don't should... even understand that. I think Ron Rivera is like a pretty intimidating-looking guy. He, I think he's a guy that can uh, fire up the locker room. Dude, he looks like a Chad to me. Like, he just, like, he, there, there's something about him. Like, I know he brings a great locker room presence and everything, but, like, like I know he has like what like that military background like I the Panthers know. I just never think he can actually build an organization which is what the Skins need the Skins just have had zero organizational their fan base hates the management um I just I think they too. needed a guy like Ron Rivera to to bring what he did in Carolina like everyone in Carolina I feel like loved Ron Rivera and Wish they were relatively should. sad to see him go. Yeah. So I, I, I think mean, Ron Rivera fits what the Skins needed a lot. That's probably just me hating on the Panthers a lot because, like, <laughs> I Panthers fans suck, and, like, that's about it. But, I mean, dude, Ron Rivera's on this list, too. Like, where is he in the top 15 with Mike McCarthy? I mean, there's a lot of good coaches out there, just like we, we were talking about with quarterbacks. There's a lot of quarterbacks. I think the NFL, if you look at these two lists – when we were really breaking them down and putting people in our top 10, you look at it and you say, damn, the NFL is deep with talent, great coaches and everything. Like this league is at its peak. I don't think it's ever been really this with teams as a whole, this constructive where it is just so talented, you know? Well, yeah, you've also had a lot of these guys, like you were saying earlier, these younger coaches step up. I mean, this hasn't really mm-hmm. happened in recent times. You, like no. you were saying, you had to have the resume and this pedigree and whatnot, but there were a few teams that took gambles with young coaches with some new ideas, and they panned out. So you've just seen you know, guys like Cliff Kingsbury and, and Sean McVay, people like Matt LaFleur, um, Zach mm. Taylor, the Bengals coach even, you could put him in this, like, I mean, these are these are talented guys. Who knows what they can do? I mean, I, I mean, think I, a lot of relies on their management. But you're right. There's yeah. tons of talented coaches in the league right now. I mean, if I if I was looking for a coach too, I'd go the young way. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury went five and seven the tech, and then look at him. He got a job, and they were in the upswing. I mean, look at Shanahan, dude. He is young, and they just came off that Super Bowl run. And what is the first one? The first thing the 49ers do. They extend them six years. 
So they know they got Shani for a while. They have a great coach locked up. Yeah, well, Shanahan also came from a coaching tree. Obviously, everyone knows Mike Shanahan, you know, one of the great coaches, coached for a decent amount of teams, the Redskins. He was on that staff with Mike Shanahan and the Redskins. He coached the Broncos, um, coached a number of talented players. So I think Shanahan isn't necessarily the best example, but I mean, someone like LaFleur, I know you're hating on LaFleur, but at the end of the day, he went 13-3. and He performed a lot better than than people were not necessarily expecting of the Packers because everyone knew the Packers were a playoff-caliber team. You know, you got Aaron Rodgers on your team. You're going to be a playoff-caliber team. But as a first-year coach, going 13-3 and in an NFC championship is nothing to scoff at. You know? Yeah, it's not. I mean, like, he did inherit the team. He did inherit Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he didn't build much. And, I mean, everyone's crapping on them for the draft that they had. But it, it doesn't count until you, you see what happens, you know? Yeah, I mean, you've seen it year it, after it, year. Plenty of teams get crapped on after the draft. And they so they're sometimes the ones that had the best ones. So. Yeah, I mean, dude, if Jordan Love is what they say, like where he has the talent like Patrick Mahomes, and he's Patrick Mahomes, and when A-Rod is gone, and LaFour is, and we're talking about literally Andy Reid versus Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes versus LaFur and Jordan Love every year. If that's the matchup, then I'm wrong. But, like, I'm just, I'm not so on LaFur. I'm not so on him. I don't, I don't truly too like him. I Like I said, I think he's off-brand Shanny. And I think he might be a, a little bit of a loser, you know? I think he's a simp. Wow, LaFleur's a simp. Man, you've been really taking some shots. You're saying that all Panthers fans suck. LaFleur's a simp. If any Panthers fans are watching, I, I love you. And Matt LaFleur, you're not going to listen to this, oh. but well, I, I'll say I this about you. Panthers fans, too. Listen, Panthers fans. I love you, too, because that is the easiest two games on the Falcons' schedule every year. You know, that is just two guaranteed wins. Thank you. <laughs> All right, this episode's running a little long. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. Panthers fans, thank you for listening. Um, we'll catch you on the next episode. Once, Just an update on the Dynasty team. I reached out to a few guys online, but I was – not getting any responses so we're still working on that if you're interested in that segment but uh thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one peace i was scared of dentists and the dark i was scared of